Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are wrapping up our Fighting with Family sermon series, where we've been talking about the fact that every family has conflict, or to put it another way for you, all families fight. But not all families fight fair. So over the last few episodes, we've been talking about some of the things that we do that keep us from fighting fair, and we've also been talking about how we can handle the conflict that we have with our family, with our friends, or in any other relationship in healthier ways. So this week we're talking about one more thing that we do that keeps us from fighting fair and what we can do to handle that better. So let's get right into this episode sermon. So over the last few weeks here at Melbourne Heights, we have been talking about a problem that every family faces. It doesn't matter if you are newlyweds that are just starting out, if you're raising young kids at home, if you're empty nesters, or if you fall anywhere in between. Every family experiences this problem. And what problem is it? Well, it's conflict. That's right, every family experiences conflict. And yes, I know that none of us like to admit that our families aren't perfect, and none of us want to admit that our families have problems, but every family experiences conflict. Or to put it another way for you, all families fight. All families fight but not all families fight fair. So right now, we are talking about some of the things that we do that keep us from fighting fair, and we're also talking about how we can handle the conflict that we have with our families, or in any other relationship, for that matter, in healthier ways. So a couple of weeks ago, when we started into this series, we saw that one of the things that we do that keep us from fighting fair is when we think that there is only one possible perspective to see a problem from, and that's our own perspective. And then last week, we saw that another thing that we do that keeps us from fighting fair with the people we love the most is when we're unwilling to address a conflict head on. And today we're going to be talking about another reason that we struggle to have healthy conflicts with our families. But before we start talking about our relationships with our families today, I want you to take some time and think about another relationship that we all have. I want you to think about the relationships that you have with your friends. And specifically, I want you to take some time to think about what your ideal friendship would look like. So take a second and think about what that ideal friendship would be like. And if you're joining us online on Facebook or YouTube right now, you can use the comments thread and let us know your answer to that question there. But as you think about it, those of you that are here in person, I have to admit, I'm not a mind reader, so I don't actually know what images are coming to your mind when you think about your ideal friendship. But I am willing to make a few guesses about what our ideal friendships would look like. So here's my first guess for you. In your ideal friendship, you want friends that will always find time for you. Let's be honest, this is just something that we all want from our friends, right? We want friends that will find time for us no matter what. So it shouldn't matter if you have a friend that has to move across the country in order to take a new job or to be closer to their family you should still be able to just pick up the phone, connect with that friend, and find that they are always going to have time for you. So how did I do on my first guess? Now, by looking out, and those of you that are here in person, I'm seeing some nods and some thumbs up and things like that, so I think I'm on the right track. So let's move on to my second guess. 
My second guess is that when you envision your ideal friendship, you can't imagine anything changing that friendship. And again, this is something that we all want in our relationships. We all want consistency in our friendships or in any other relationship that we have. So when, when we want this, it's not because we're selfish people. We understand that other people are going to have their own commitments, responsibilities, things that are going on in their lives. But we still want our friendships and our relationships to be consistent no matter what else is happening in the lives of ourselves or our friends. Okay, so there's my first two guesses for you. When we think about our ideal friendship, we want to have, we want friends that will always find time for us, and we want our relationships to stay the same, no matter what. And I've still got one more guess about what we want in our ideal friendship. So here it is. When you imagine your ideal friend, you think that you will be friend, that your friends will be your friends forever. And yes, we're in church, so I know that that last line was probably enough to make some of you want to sing that chorus from an old Michael W. Smith song. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's also the truth, okay? We all want our friends to be our friends forever. I mean, nobody enters into a relationship thinking that in six months, the person you're just becoming friends with is going to do something that will absolutely drive you nuts, and you're never going to want to talk with them again. So we want our friends to be our friends forever. So those are some of the ideals that we have for our friendships. We want to have friends that will always be able to find time for us, no matter what else is happening in life. We want our friendships to stay the same, no matter what may change around us. And we want our friends to be our friends forever. And yes, I know that there are a million other things that you could potentially include on your list of what would make an ideal friend. But I feel pretty confident that just about all of us would include those three things on our list. And why do I feel so confident that all of us would include those three things on our list? Is it because sociologists have told us that those are the three things that we all expect from our friendships? Or is it because scientific studies have revealed that those three things are the key things to forming true friendships? Or is it because I've read what psychologists write on the subject and they tell us that those three things are essential for forming friendships? that last? Well, the honest answer to all three of those questions is no. Truth of the matter is, I'm not familiar with a single expert in the field of friendship who says anything about any of these three ideals being important to the relationships that we have with our friends. But what I am familiar with is the place where a lot of our expectations about friendships come from. And a lot of our expectations about friendship come from the best friendships that we see on a regular basis. And just about all of the friendships, the best friendships that we see on a regular basis come from the exact same place. They all come from TV. And I know, I can see some of the disbelief on your face as you're looking at me right now, but if you stop and you think about it for just a second you'll see that all of the three things, the three ideals that we just talked about, are hallmarks of the friendships that we see on television. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about newer TV shows like The Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+, Plus, or if you're talking about classic sitcoms like The Golden Girls. There are just some lessons that TV has taught us about friendship, whether TV realizes it or whether you realize it or not. And one of the lessons that TV has tried to teach us about friendship is that our friends will always find time for us, 
And if you really pay attention to most TV shows, what you really see is that your friends never have anything better to do than to hang out with you. And if you don't believe me, just think about the TV show, The Big Bang Theory. Now, The Big Bang Theory was one of the most popular TV shows on for years. And the show revolved around the friendship between four different scientists. And all four of these scientists, they worked at the same place. They worked at Caltech. But all four of them also worked in different fields. But even though they worked in completely different fields, they were always spending time together. They always had time for each other. So what we saw in the Big Bang Theory would kind of be the equivalent of walking into an elementary school and seeing a first, second, third, and fourth grade teacher all hanging out and spending all of their time together, including the time that they're supposed to be in their classroom teaching their students. And that's just not realistic. That's not going to happen. But what TV has taught us is that our friends will always find time for us. Or think about one of the most memorable and classic examples of friendship that you find on television. And of course, I'm talking about the TV show that's appropriately titled Friends. Now, the show Friends revolved around six different characters that all lived in Manhattan. And over the course of the ten seasons that Friends was on the air for, these six friends, they went through and they experienced a whole lot of changes in their lives. They experienced everything from divorces to marriages. They started new jobs and had new kids. They moved, and they just moved furniture. And on a side note, I still can't hear the word pivot without hearing it in Ross Geller's voice, but that's not really the point. But what we saw is no matter what changed in these friends' life, their relationship with each other, their friendships never did. No matter what happened in their lives, you could always find these six people hanging out, spending all of their time together, usually in Central Perk or in Monica and Rachel's apartment. But it didn't matter what happened. Those relationships stayed the same. That's what TV has tried to teach us about our friends. And another thing that TV has tried to teach us about our friends is that our friends will be our friends forever. And the best example of this on television, at least in my mind, comes from the sitcom Seinfeld. Now, Seinfeld aired for nine seasons on NBC, but it's the last episode, the very last episode of this series that drove this point home the most. And just in case you don't remember the controversial finale to the series Seinfeld, in that final episode, the four main characters, Jerry, Elaine, George, and Kramer, literally end up locked up together. So the last image that we see of these four friends is that they are forever linked together. They're inside of a jail cell. And it doesn't matter that technically, according to the storyline of the show, that they got released from prison after a year in there together. Our lasting memory is these four friends being together forever. So TV has tried to teach us that our friends will be our friends forever. But what's the big deal? What's the problem with TV trying to teach us that our friends will be our friends forever? Or that your friends will always be able to find time for you? Or that no matter what else may happen in life, that your friendships are never going to change? Well, here's the problem with it. Your real-life relationships are never going to be as perfect as the ones that you see on television. They're not. Your real-life relationships are never going to be as perfect as the ones that you see on TV. And that's not just true for the relationship that you have with your friends. It's also true for the relationship that you have with your kids or with your parents. It's true for the relationship that you have with your spouse or with your partners. It's true for the relationship that you have with anyone. 
Your relationships are never going to be as perfect as the ones that you see on TV. And you know what? Deep down in our heart of hearts, we all know that. But somewhere in the back of our mind, we still carry around these beliefs that all of our relationships will be as perfect as the ones that we see week in and week out when we're watching television. But when we carry these unrealistic expectations for other people, it keeps us from being able to fight fair with those that we love the most. So we can't fight fair when we expect other people to be perfect. We can't fight fair when we expect that other people are going to be perfect. I mean, just stop and think about how all of this plays out for just a second. If you're the kind of person that believes that your friends will always have time for you, what's going to happen the first time that your friend doesn't have time for you? What's going to happen the first time that they have to work late and they're not able to hang out with you when you wanted them to? Well, if you think that your friends are always going to have time for you, you're going to start doubting that friendship. And chances are that that relationship's going to come to an end pretty quickly. Or if you want to believe that your friendships are never going to change, that they're going to stay the same no matter what, what's going to happen the first time that one of your friends goes through an event, a life experience that, that changes them forever? Like getting married or having kids. Well, when they get married, when they get kids, when they go through these events, their lives change, their priorities change, and your relationship with them is going to change too. But if you expect that your friendship is going to stay the same no matter what, you're going to end up disappointed, and chances are that that relationship is going to come to an end as well. Or if you're the kind of person that believes that your friends are going to be your friends forever, what happens when one of your friendships comes to an end? What happens when one of your friends moves across the country to be closer to their family or to start a new job and you lose touch with them? Well, if your friends are supposed to be your friends forever, then you're going to doubt that that person was ever your friend at all. And that's going to leave you feeling devastated. And it's going to leave you feeling all alone. And I'm not telling you these things hypothetically. I'm not telling you any of these things theoretically. I'm telling you these things from first-hand experience because I have seen how these unrealistic expectations that we put on our own friendships have ruined some of the friendships that I've had in my life. Like right after I graduated college. Right after I graduated college, one of my best friends from college and I decided that we were going to rent an apartment together. And for the first few months, everything went great. But then my friend got a new job. He got his first real adult job, and that meant that his life started to change. He couldn't stay up as late, so he had to go to bed earlier so he could get to work earlier, but my schedule stayed the same. So it didn't take long before we stopped hanging out together at all. And since I was up late and he was up early, we never had time for each other. So I felt like he couldn't find time for me. I'm sure if you asked him, he felt like I couldn't find time for him. So our relationship fully came to an end. And in the last decade, I can count on one hand the number of times that I've talked with somebody who was one of my best friends for four years in college. The same thing happened to me the first time that one of my friends went through a major life-changing event when he got married and he and his wife started to have a family. Now, when that happened, his priorities changed. And you know what? His priorities should have changed. He was doing the right thing. But in my mind, I thought that real friendships never changed. So, 
when his priorities started shifting and our relationship could no longer stay the same, that relationship started to fizzle out. And that friendship pretty well came to an end. And whenever I've experienced those major life-changing events myself, whether it's been graduating high school or college, starting a new job or whatever it may be, I remember talking with all of the friends that I had before those changes and transitions and swearing up and down that we would stay in touch and that we would be friends forever. But slowly, one by one, all of those relationships faded away. But I still wanted to believe that my friends were supposed to be my friends forever. So when all of those relationships that I had came to an end, there's a time that I wondered if those people were ever my friends at all. And that left me feeling disappointed. And it left me feeling alone. So it took me far longer than it probably should have to learn the lesson that we're going to be talking about this morning. And the lesson that we're going to be talking about this morning is something that is illustrated so well in the scripture passage that we're going to be reading today. And the passage that we're going to be looking at today, it comes from the Gospel of Matthew. And we call this book a gospel because the word gospel means good news. And the book of Matthew is going to tell us the good news of Jesus. So in this book, we're going to find stories about Jesus' birth and his baptism. We'll find stories about Jesus' miracles, as well as the ministry that he was involved in. We'll find stories about Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. But in the passage we're looking at today, we're going to find one of Jesus' teachings. And we find it in Matthew chapter 18, where we'll start reading together in verse 21. So here's what Matthew writes. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Should I forgive them as many as seven times? Jesus said, not just seven times, but rather as many as 77 times. Now, whenever I have heard people teach on this passage or preach on this passage, I've always felt like Peter gets a bad rap. I think Peter, people don't give Peter enough credit for what he says in this passage of Scripture. Did you notice what Peter offers to do, what Peter is willing to do? Peter says that he is willing to forgive somebody seven times. Now, a lot of us, we may believe in second chances, but nobody believes in seventh chances, okay? So Peter is offering to go far above and beyond what most of us would ever do. But Jesus tells him it's still not enough. Jesus tells Peter that he has to be willing to forgive people 11 times more than he was willing to do it himself. And when Jesus says this, he's not literally telling Peter to keep tally, to keep count up to 77 times. What Jesus is telling Peter is that as long as you're still keeping count on the number of times that you've forgiven someone, then you haven't really forgiven that person. And Jesus drives this point home in the story that he tells next in this passage, right after he tells Peter to forgive someone 77 times. So let's look at the story that Jesus tells, starting in verse 23. Here's what Jesus says. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, they brought to him a servant who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Because the servant didn't have enough to pay it back, the master ordered that he should be sold along with his wife and children and everything he had and that the proceeds should be used as payment. 
But the servant fell down, kneeled before him and said, please be patient with me and I'll pay you back. The master had compassion on that servant, released him and forgave the loan. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 coins. He grabbed him around the throat and he said, pay me back what you owe me. Then his fellow servant fell down and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he threw him into prison until he paid back his debt. When his fellow servants saw what happened, they were deeply offended. They came and they told their master all that happened. His master called the first servant and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you appealed to me. Shouldn't you also have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? His master was furious and handed him over to the guard responsible for punishing prisoners until he had paid the whole debt. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if you don't forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So as we read that passage, I hope that you realize that we are all that first servant. We're all that first servant. We have all messed up. We've all made mistakes. And in this passage, that first servant has messed up and he has made so many mistakes that he has created a debt that he could never possibly pay back. And we, we've messed up. We've all made mistakes and we've made so many of them that there is no way that we should ever be able to expect that anyone would forgive us of everything that we've done wrong. But in this passage, the master was willing to forgive his servant of the 10,000 bags of gold that he owed him. And for us, even though there is no way that anyone should ever possibly forgive us of everything that we've done wrong, God forgives us of it all anyway. God forgives us of everything that we've done wrong anyway. So if we want to have healthier relationships, we need to learn from the story that Jesus tells about forgiveness. We need to be willing to set aside our unrealistic expectations. If we want to have healthier relationships, if you want to fight fair, you have to remember, nobody's perfect, and that includes you. If you want to fight fair with the people that you love the most, you have to remember that nobody is perfect, and that includes I mean, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings today, but you're not perfect. You're not the perfect friend. You're not the perfect parent. You're not the perfect child. You're not the perfect spouse. You're not the perfect partner. You're not perfect. We all mess up. We all make mistakes. We all need forgiveness. None of us can live up to the unrealistic expectations that we place on ourselves or on others. We need to be forgiven. And we also need to be willing to forgive other people. We need to be willing to forgive our kids, our parents, our partners, our spouses, our friends. We need to be willing to forgive when other people can't live up to the expectations that we place upon them. It's what it takes to fight fair. Now, 
again, I wish I could stand up here and tell you these are the three steps that you need to follow if you really want to forgive somebody in your life. But it's really not that hard. You know when you've forgiven and you know when you haven't. Jesus tells us how it really works when he told Peter, as long as you're keeping count on the number of times that you've forgiven somebody, then you haven't really forgiven them. But if we want to have these healthier relationships and healthier conflict and fight fair with our family and the people that we love the most, we have to be willing to forgive. We have to be willing to put those unrealistic expectations aside. And we have to be willing to forgive the way that God forgave each of us. God forgave us of a debt that we could never possibly pay back. So we need to be willing to forgive other people of the small mistakes that they make in their lives. We need to be willing to forgive not just seven times or 77 times, but we need to be willing to forgive the way that God forgives us without keeping score, without keeping track. And if we can learn to extend the grace that God extends to us, to other people, if we learn to forgive the way that God forgives us, you know what? Your relationships will be healthier, and you will be able to fight fair with the people you love the most. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, we are just so thankful for the way that you love and forgive every single one of us. God, just like the, the first servant in the story that we heard today, we have accumulated such a huge debt from all the mistakes, all the mess-ups that we've had in our lives. And God, there's no reason that you should possibly forgive us. But through your grace and your mercy, you do. So God, help us to be willing to extend that grace and that mercy to the people in our lives to not hold them to the unrealistic expectations that we have for them, but to realize that nobody is perfect. That includes us. And that we all need to be forgiven, and we all need to offer forgiveness. So help us to forgive those who hurt us and love them the way that you love us all. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that you've been challenged to approach your relationships the same way that God approaches his relationship with you. And that's from a place of grace and mercy and forgiveness. Because you know what? None of us are perfect. That includes you. That includes me. So we all need to be forgiven, and we also need to be willing to forgive other people when they mess up and make mistakes, too. Now, in the next episode of our podcast, we are starting into a brand new series of sermons where we're going to be focused in on something that's important to all of our relationships with God, and that's prayer. So we're going to spend the next few weeks thinking about how we can do a better job of connecting with God in prayer. So I hope that you'll come back and join us when that episode drops next Tuesday. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And while you're there, make sure you leave a rating and a review for us. Your ratings and reviews, they mean 
mean a lot to us. They can help spread the word about this podcast to other people. And also remember, you're invited to come and join us live online for worship every Sunday. We worship at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time at mhbclouisville.com slash live, and we would love to have you come join us. Well, until the next time we get together, I hope that you guys have a great week. I'll be praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.